diving Hope comes and stops us in our tracks Bravely we prove in our striving Trudging together each day Everyone and welcome to Raw Recovery, a trudging together podcast. My name is Dion Miller, and I am your host today. I hope that everybody's having a fantastic day. And as we ramp up back on our podcast, I'm proud to bring uh, Kara onto the onto our show today. Um, there are several things that um, that I'm looking forward to on the speaker. Number one, she's a Ryan Hampton fan, and so am I. Um, and she just does a lot of work in the community. A lot, so, man. What kind of what, like intentional work? It's, you know, we do sometimes we do the, the we do the twelve steps and then we get involved in something else and becomes something much bigger than us. Think it's some bigger than than AA. And there's a set of people out here like uh, like Kara that does this stuff. So thank you very much for taking your time and coming on and speaking with us today. Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. Um, I'm on fire for recovery. And um, I I just really appreciate you. Yeah, and thank, thank you, you for being out. I'm we had a great conversation. We were talking a little bit before. That's all, for me, that's always a really fun part because I get to know the person. And um, of course I do a little bit of digging, but a lot of my speakers are based on intuition. God kind of tells me, hey, Dion, that's the person that you need. And it always works out well for me. Um, but I've done enough talking already. And uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the show and I'm going to give it over to you. This is your podcast. So why don't you tell us about yourself, Kara? Well, um, my name is Kara Trainer. I'm a person in long-term recovery from opiate use disorder. Okay. And uh, what my recovery means to me now is that I have a chance to live a, a second life mm-hmm. where I'm not reacting from past trauma. Yeah. And in my case, uh, I was raised by an alcoholic. My mother was an alcoholic. Okay. Um, our family has alcoholism everywhere <laughs> on my mom's side. Okay. And I was able to see her get into recovery by the time I was 17 years old. But wow, um, okay. You know, in my in my childhood, there was obviously it was a chaotic, like mess. You know, mm-hmm. um, and so no, I, I but I did have a good good childhood. I had sure. lots of opportunities. I was into like baton twirling, which most people oh. now, like the young generation, is like, what the hell is that? like baton what? twirling? Well, when you light those things on fire, though, it becomes a different. No, thing. well, <laughs> I, I, you know. I was not one, but other it's, other young ladies. I did. I tried baton twirling. It is not easy to throw a stick thirty feet up in the air, do your moves, and then catch that sucker in the right place. I'm yes. sorry, that takes a lot of effort and it takes talent. Yeah, well, <laughs> and a lot of a lot of practice. By the time not I was uh, twelve years old, I was an actual national baton twirling champion. That's um, that's freaking yeah. awesome. Yes, yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> Not everybody it's, gets to say I was the baton champion. I will for for thirteen year olds. I was for a national, 13, that's, you know, that's championship. Awesome. Even now, I th- today I think people would love that. 
um, yeah, so no, I was, uh, you know, I did have, uh, like I said, a good parts in my childhood. It okay. wasn't all, you know, it wasn't um, all doom and gloom. It, I'm sorry. It wasn't all doom and gloom. No, it really wasn't. And okay. I, you know, my parents gave me a lot, like I said, a lot mm -hmm. opportunities and stuff. Yeah. Um, but the baton twirling is kind of interesting because it's part of my story. I had gotten a stress fracture in L5 of my vertebrae when I was 12 years old. And I had to wow. overcome that, come back. And I was competing at like state level, regional level, national level, and also trying to get on the, the world team, quote unquote, okay. trying to go to the world championship. But um, the stress fracture happened. I didn't think much about it. It, it kind of healed. You can still see it in x-rays and stuff, but uh, okay. it, it, it came back in my life when I was uh, right, right before I turned 21. I'd had okay. my oldest son, and this is why I'm talking about it right now, too, because it's my it's part of my story. Absolutely. Um, I had given birth to my oldest, and mm -hmm. I started having back pain, and I knew what it felt like. Like, I yeah. knew, I was like, you know, this is a stress fracture or whatever. I, pain was going down my legs, whatever. Went to the ER, was prescribed a Vicodin. Yeah. What's your pain level? And I was told to follow up with my primary, and I I did. Yep. And my primary at that time, um, my first appointment with him, and I was at a Medicaid clinic in Michigan. Okay. I okay. had never met him before, but uh, our first conversation, he looked at what I had been prescribed in the ER and was like, "There's a medication I can give you that you only have to take two times a day for pain relief." Okay. And as opposed to four. To, you know, six times with Vicodin yeah. and it was Oxycontin. Yeah. What and milligram did, what, what level did he start you out at? Two, or excuse me, 20. Okay. At least he 20. was trying to be legit about it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and, uh, <laughs> and it progressed to the forties sure. and then there was, you know, breakthrough pain. Yeah. So then the I breakthrough pain. Yeah. Yeah. And everything. And I was, I was on it for about a year approximately okay. a year and then when That's he decided time. yeah it was and there was no education about mm -hmm. hey if you stop this medicine you're screwed yeah and it's gonna I, hurt yeah and um and so i i do believe though that's like i had done sub the substances prior to being prescribed oxycontin you okay. know like i know um it wasn't my first rodeo with, with drugs, you know, okay. like I, in high school and stuff. I mean, there were times I, there was other harder drugs, but there, nothing had a hold of me. Like, I don't think I, okay. sometimes I say to people that you, in my opinion, you okay. cross that line. Yeah. Like, so there's a lot of people that flirt with that line. Yeah. That yeah. Hey, okay, you know, or whatever. In my case, it, it took Oxy and that prescription to cross that line and i know okay. when i took that first pill it was like finding god yeah it was like heaven sure yeah. i understand I that was, feeling yes what i was searching for that warm feeling that feeling mm. of being complete thinking i was going to take on the world and now you know, your doctor like, is a saint in your eyes too oh yeah it was and a they very, think very they're doing the right thing yeah and it was a strange relationship too. Okay. Um, you know, with what do you that, mean I, by that? Why? How was it strange? And I'm, I'm curious because I I truly felt on some level about you know three months in, four months in that he knew. Okay. He, like he knew 
that I had crossed that that line into addiction. Okay. All right. You no, know, like he and he did things like I did like a pain um journal, you know, to put okay. my levels of yep. pain and stuff. So he was trying to be legit, but the follow-up with testing there wasn't, you know, like there wasn't good follow-up. Like we need okay. to figure out the cause if it's not the stress fracture, you know, stuff like that. And so it was like, a, yeah, I had a good relationship with him. Mm-hmm. You no, know, we, we became, you know, somewhat friends or whatever. Sure. Not you get correct. to know your doctor when you're, well, when you're going through a lot of pain, uh, especially emotional pain, your doctor is going to get to know you. Absolutely. Yeah. And so he ended up moving back out west excuse me and uh my prescription was cut like he, yeah. he gave me the follow-up to a pain clinic but it was i couldn't get in for three months yeah so it was like last prescription and also with the last prescription i had found out actually from my pharmacy walgreens told me like maybe two months prior to he announcing his announcing his move that mm-hmm. uh he had other pres- or, um patients prescribed with oxy and he uh-huh. was being investigated so yeah. it was not a shock to me when he finally said you know i'm i'm out of here this is your last i'm gonna we're gonna have to do you know discharge yeah. plans from i don't know i kind of feel bad for that doctor i almost feel like he was set up to fail he- and it could be, you know what? And it's kind of interesting because he actually has a TED talk out now. Oh, does his name he? is okay. yes, Christian Moore. Okay, Dr. Christian Moore. All right. And uh, yeah, it's interesting because he had changed the way that he prescribed opioids. Like he learned, like okay. through this, which is I didn't even know this until about two years ago that he's okay. still practicing. And anyway, right. um, so good for him. Good for him. You know, it I don't have any malice. Yeah. Like, I mean, we were all, a lot of people, we were all duped. Yeah. And so yeah. I don't, there's no resentment towards him at all. You know, like, that's good. I, I'm glad to hear that. No. Why? Yeah. And how well, was I that feel bad for him. I can, it seems like he was a good guy, man. He was. He was he just was doing the best. That, doctor. It, well, it's kind of like sales because doctors are salespeople. It's in sales. If I have, because I did a lot of training. If I train my salespeople to do it that way, it's the only way they know how. So the doctors weren't given all the information for them to make an informed decision. So Exactly. And I don't know. And I don't know. Again, I have no information as to why he started prescribing Oxy. I've never listened to the TED Talk. Okay. Um, I, yeah, that just, might be kind of traumatizing if you did. Yeah, there's a lot. And I, yeah. like, I get it. I'm still you know, living mm-hmm. with what happened 20 years ago. And part yeah. of me wants closure, move on and try to heal. I'm, I'm doing my part to there do what's go. right for my own recovery. And sure. I can't, you know what? I cannot carry resentment. No, it's you just can't. Not, or, I, yeah. I want freedom. I want a, a wonderful quality of recovery. And I cannot do that if I'm sitting there um, angry, pissed mm-hmm. off. I just yeah. simply can't. And I, so, I, yeah. you know, for, for a long time, I mean, I was upset, but you know, it was 20 years ago. I have to move on. And, um, mm-hmm. and I did, but I struggled with, uh, with opiate use disorder for mo- since then. Um, yeah. I'm in recovery now, sure. but at the same time I was, 
my pathway for a long time was methadone. Okay. Med yeah. Medication assisted treatment. I was on for 14 years, Ooh, Okay. 14 years and I, I'm 40. So that's like okay. what, a third You're of my life. 40. I have 40. Wow. <laughs> you look absolutely good for, for, I thought you were like in your mid twenties. Oh, I'm married, so I ain't hitting on you, but oh. I'm just telling you the truth. You look good for your age, honey. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but yeah, it was, that was, you know, that's part of my story. Um, and I finally in 2018, I mean, I can't say, you know, it was 2008 when I actually like put down, cause I, str I struggled. I'm kind of jumping everywhere. Um, it's okay. From, from the, uh, after being prescribed with the oxy and stuff and then i got hit i hit i had to hit streets because i couldn't mm -hmm. wait for that pain clinic yeah, like i couldn't wait three months. months yeah and i had no idea i was going to go through withdrawal like i was starting well i kind of uh, did from times that i would with my prescriptions i'd be early you know i was playing around like so i knew sure. there was going to be a withdrawal but i didn't know the extent of what was going to happen to me yeah and of course you go to the streets and then i'm trying to you know, purchase Oxycontin, which is like $20 a pill, and then you mm -hmm. go to heroin. And then on the street, and the people that I was, you know, running around with, there's crack cocaine, which that became another addiction by itself. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had to struggle, I was struggling with, you know, substance abuse disorder and opiate use, to opioid use disorder. Yeah. And uh, it took me until about, um, I was put on uh, medication assisted treatment. And I, st I was good with opioids. That's it, it helped me okay. um, like immensely because Fantastic. I was still struggling with, you know, crack cocaine. But mm -hmm. if, if I was like at a dope house and there's heroin there back then, it was it was heroin. Not fun. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't. Yeah. There, yeah it wasn't. It, it was, was heroin. Whole, but there was in any type of pills or whatever. I would think to myself, you already got your dose today. You're not going to get high. And that, so, I mean, I really believe it saved me from a very early death. Yeah. Um, and so I struggled until 2008. Okay. And I guess that was my first, you know, real surrender. Okay. Um, I started going back to church. I didn't feel comfortable at any type of 12-step meeting because of the medication-assisted treatment with methadone. Okay. Yeah. I didn't, I felt the stigma was very, very strong. I didn't uh -huh. feel that long. I felt like no one was going to recognize my recovery. Uh, but um, I, I ended up going back to church and I remember actually sitting there on my knees crying, mm -hmm. crying. Um, I just couldn't, I, I would get, I'd struggled, you know, and um, I would get like, you know, six months and then I would relapse and whatever. Mm -hmm. In 2008, I don't know what happened. I think God happened. Yeah. Because <laughs> then I met my husband who I'm still with now no history of of any substance abuse disorder. Never even drank alcohol in his entire yeah. life. Never smoked a cigarette, and he was <laughs> a good place for me back then. Um, yeah. I wish I could say though that I I I did not do anything else um, from 2008 till now. But okay. alcohol became a problem. Okay, I thought I could you know I thought I could drink wine and that be this. Okay you know, effective, but well, you know what? I, I can kind of get that. Now, I, I didn't get into the drugs part. I'm on the opposite side. So, cause alcoholism you're kind of born with and drugs, anybody can be. So there are a lot, I've met a lot of people um, that were drug users 
that drink normally. I've I, met I, several of them, but I think that there are exceptions. <laughs> you know, a lot of times addiction becomes addiction. And once we once we're caught, anything out there is going to bring us back. But, you know, it's weird with alcohol because um, I am a member of a 12 step fellowship now. Um, awesome. Alcoholics Anonymous. But Woo. I don't feel I do not feel the way about alcohol the way that I that that I felt around opioids. OK, like I just don't like with the big book when they talk about alcohol, I'm like. Like I've said to my sponsor, I do not relate to this at all. Yeah. For me, it seemed like it was when I was reaching out to alcohol after 2008, it was almost like self-medication for depression, okay. generalized yes. anxiety disorder, PTSD mm-hmm. that had occurred in my early childhood, yep. teen years, and then, you know, all kinds of stuff. As opposed to putting down alcohol was not that difficult for me. Okay. Um, I just really, it didn't, it just seemed like the natural thing to do yeah um but in 2000 anyway i don't want to keep skipping um in 2018 i was on methadone still drinking at that point and i decided i was done with methadone you know that was a long time 14 since 2004 Mm -hmm. 2018 but i did it in a a a not good way Um, i was on a very low dose for me compared to what I'd been on years prior. And I decided I was not going to follow up with the actual taper all the way down Ooh, and just jump okay. off with okay. a, a physician's help. And that was something out of a nightmare from hell. I'm and sure I dropped 25 uh, pounds uh, within like two months, almost wow. hospitalized. And that's with mm-hmm. help. Yeah. But I was able to do it. I just wanted to be done with opioids and follow. And then afterwards, I'm like, let's cut the alcohol, too. Mm-hmm. I'm starting to get neuropathy. There were things that happened real quick. Yeah. They're still not. They're not sure if the neuropathy was due towards alcohol consumption or not. Um, but there was just health problems, high blood pressure. Yep. You know, there were things that. And now put down the alcohol. I am no <laughs> longer on. Any type of medication, Anything. high blood pressure, and nothing. methadone's gone. gone. Everything's gone. Everything's wow. gone. And so, yeah, it's, it was crazy because the minute, and I also I did the surrender with the alcohol too. I yeah. did like the big book has has said to millions of people with alcohol use disorder, uh, it's laid out. Do your surrender. One, two, three. And, mm-hmm. you know, so I remembered that, I, you know, got on my knees, did the whole thing that I did prior mm-hmm. and haven't picked up a drink. So, mm-hmm. you know, and but see, there was other things that were going on during that. Sure. Time. Um, well, there, yeah, got, there had to be some kind of motivation aside from high blood pressure because. No, it really was. Not health. Was it health? Yeah. Good for you. Well, man. between that and, and the neuropathy. I just. Okay. It What's neuropathy? Crazy. Can you can you fill me in on that? I don't know what it is. It's pretty much nerve damage. Okay. I'm gonna do layman term. Um okay. nerve Thank damage. You. Yeah. Okay. And mine is uh I we could we could do the rest of the show on what I have. I have demyelating polyneuropathy with small fiber inf- involvement. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> you don't want to do it. Right you really do not want to. Um, so yeah, there was this health crowd. I mean, and I was like, it was enough for me. 
Okay. And I, you know, I'm like, let's just, let's do this. And I'm going to do another surrender of this, even though I really don't, you know, I just, I had also, yeah, there was isolation that was going on, depression, okay. things that, that, you know, kind of come with yes. if you're drinking a lot. And, um, and so it was like, I did that plead the universe. And next thing you know, here, all of a sudden, I find like there's a recovery community organization here in my town. Mm -hmm. They have a program there or multiple, multiple programs there with peer support, recovery mm -hmm. coaching, all of this. I get connected to a recovery coach. Okay. And I'm like, this is amazing because this it's called the recovery recovery Institute of Southwest Michigan. Okay. Um, yes. And all of their services are free. Okay. And they have all kinds of meetings, like I said, uh, programs and then, you know, free peer support and recovery coaching. And it was like, I met that coach and it was this no judgment area, yeah. you know, total compassion, meet you where you're at, like total connection to the recovery community. And it was amazing. Yeah. And from there, um, next thing that came was, being seated on the, the UC, the unsecured, unsecured creditors committee for okay. Purdue Pharma. So oh. then there's that. Whoa. You no. Know? So I was like, all of a sudden, boom, boom, big things happening. Yeah. Then, that's a 180. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, and during that time I had went back to AA, I'm okay. like, you know what? I need sober support system mm -hmm. going. Let's find a sponsor. Let's connect into that community as support. And found an amazing, amazing sponsor. She's amazing. Um, awesome. And uh, without her, I don't know how I'd get through the pandemic. I'm, I, I hear you. But we all need, we all need guides. Every oh, single yes. one of us need a guide. Otherwise, we're lost. Yeah. Yes. So I'm so glad to hear that. That's awesome. Yes. Sorry. It was, it was amazing. Um, but it was, and then from there, it's just like my life just got better and better and better and better that's not to say though that, that i have not worked my butt off yeah um, you worked you worked like, hard to get there yeah. yes yes well you know as you're as you're a little bit older now um do you still kind of feel some of that trauma cropping up and when it does how, how do you work with it oh it happens all the time there was okay. a um a workshop that i went to about six weeks ago and it was human trafficking oh. and it was a, a workshop and there's a lot um, in my history that has parallels. Okay. And all the stuff that I had buried um, that I hadn't faced came wow. during that workshop. And so it was two days and it was, I mean, at the end of that first day, I uh, logged out because it was virtual, and um, yeah. I just started bawling. Uh -huh. I every so it, I think that for me, um, and then of course went to my therapist. We yep. processed a little bit. It set a goal to yep. start going back with MDR and in facing some things because mm -hmm. I honestly believe that the trauma that I've occurred in my lifetime, I'm going to mm -hmm. always be working on it. Yep. And I yep. know that if I ignore it or that I try to push it down 
and not feel my chances mm-hmm. of relapse are go pretty away. great. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm, I won't be, I would just get to a point where I, you, well, I'd get a case of the fuckets is what yeah. would happen. Um, yeah. I have to deal with this every, and I think dealing is probably the wrong word, but it is something, it's also something that I utilize in, in my program though. So I try and turn my anxiety and my PTSD into gold by sharing with other people and letting them know that they're not alone. Um, and that right there is a big part, knowing you're not alone in that because, I mean, it's like, okay, you're an alcoholic, so, you know, seven, you're 7% of the population. And then you have this, and that's like 3% of the population. It's like, how much more different can I be? Just stop it. You know, at some points I just want to be like, you know, enough. I don't want to be terminally unique. I don't. Um, I I want to be unique in the fact that I'm a human being and that's beautiful. But, you know, we all want that human connection. Um, But EMDR, that's what that's what saved my butt. EMDR. Love it. I feel like I'm two years old. But what's cool about EMDR, it works immediately. I get my instant gratification. Um, but to get to that spot, it's kind of scary. It's very scary. I've stopped. I stopped and we, we're at the point now we may have to do two different um, therapy sessions a week or yeah. like just for MDR because I have so mm. much going on in my regular life um, that it's, it's and I stopped and I got I got afraid. Instead of coming, like I, we, yeah. we took like a, a break um, with it because there's there's just there's so many layers <laughs> that are it's still you know kind of on unfolding you know depending on what's going on in my life. So thank you for bringing that up because I was kind of wondering what was going on with me, and I think I need to add another session because I'm the same. I. I utilize my therapist, man. Me I too. love my therapist. Are you kidding? This person's on my side. So, um, so I talk to her about everything that's going on. And there's a lot of moving parts when you do this. A yes. lot of it isn't just about sitting down and talking. I have a whole thing that I have to do. You saw me running around. Oh, hold on, I'm not ready. You know, plugging <laughs> stuff in. And and that's that's our life. So, you know. Um, like I said in the beginning here, we're going to learn something. And I just learned, say, hey, I need to add, you know, maybe add a couple sessions just for EMDR. Thank you. That was really yeah. important. That was, a, thank her. She's a great uh, therapist. I'm very, very lucky. Well, thank you, Kara's therapist. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's just, it's, it's hard because my schedule is when so many good things are happening um, with me now that it's, I keep saying it's my wildest dream. Okay. The things, there was so many years that I thought, um, and again, I didn't do my whole story. I also came back from a brain injury. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's a, I, I, well, actually I probably should say it's not a brain. It is a brain injury, but I had a, um, a brain AVM with a small okay. aneurysm that needed to be resected. Um, okay. And had that in 2017. And I woke up from the craniotomy. During the craniotomy, I lost a significant amount of drug, or almost a drug, uh-huh. uh-huh. blood, uh-huh. 
Um, okay. And I, I woke up um, and I had what's called Broca's aphasia, which another word is expressive aphasia. Okay. So I couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't talk, couldn't yeah. write, couldn't do like, like almost like a stroke victim, like acquired brain injury. Okay. So, you know, it's five, it was five years ago, but it was so, it was very significant. I never okay. really believed um, that I was ever going to work again. Yeah. Never going to go back to school. Never was, you know, and again, that's another reason why the alcohol intake increased. There yeah. was a lot, like I said, self-medication going on. Yeah. Well, um, and I think that's a good lead. I think that's a good lead to what you're doing now and your wildest dreams. Cause I'm excited to hear what you're doing. Well, I'm excited to let you tell other people. Um, so no, what, kind of, like, what do you do now? I do. Oh, well, actually I am, um, I am now a certified peer recovery coach with Fantastic. the state of Michigan. Good job. Uh, I work with our community mental health here in Kalamazoo, Michigan. It's called Integrated Services of Kalamazoo. Okay. I am part of a opioid overdose response program. And what okay. we do is we go into ERs and the hospital setting. Some for some people are already admitted. Okay. And we connect the people to treatment if they don't want treatment. Uh, they just want resources. We give them resources. We offer mm -hmm. coaching and it's absolutely amazing. Um, it is. It's a Michigan's doing a call. very good job right now. They yes. I, I love it. I absolutely and love it. It, um, it was nice to see mission make a comeback like that, but they are doing a lot for their community. And I think a lot of people, um, need to uh identify what it is that they're doing it and repeat it because it's working it is and cal well if you really want to highlight a place that's doing um recovery resources effectively be kalamazoo yeah here in michigan i mean it's just it's absolutely amazing i lived in chicago for over a decade and i remember the waiting list and i remember the loss of connection that's what um, it's like here in colorado mm-hmm and here in Kalamazoo, it's just amazing. I mean, we have the Recovery Institute of Southwest Michigan. Anybody can walk in free, free. Yeah. You don't, you have to be, well, 18 years old and that's it. You don't, we don't care about the diagnosis. And we also, we are a, uh, like safe haven for people with mental health yeah. um, issues as far as anything. I mean, it's, our groups are, we, they have SMART. They also have mm -hmm. groups called Transfer Transformations. They do yeah smoke less they do all kinds of programming like activities yeah it's absolutely i could i could talk about them i i what i like to hear on that is free i like yeah. hearing that it's free. um and that anybody could walk it i would love to have a place like that here in colorado oh um, you should i'm not saying that we're not doing some good we are um but we're behind the ball we're behind the ball um, a lot of people here don't really, um, as far as our professionals go, don't understand that the peer-to-peer -peer portion is what's going to make it. Um, it's one alcoholic talking to another alcoholic. It's one addict talking to another addict because we know and understand the loneliness. We yes. know what it's like. Um, and we don't really like talking to people who might misunderstand or just don't understand because we get tired of fucking repeating ourselves. Yeah. In that connection yeah. with, with another person that's in recovery is like 
there's no there's no real words to explain yeah. that. It's almost it's indescribable. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you can you can be working like I could be working with somebody like in crisis with substance abuse disorder, and you know they have the social worker, they have the therapist or whatever. Mm-hmm. But when a peer comes in, like if I come in as a peer, they're listening to me, like mm-hmm. they're listening to like intently on what I say, and I may be repeating the same thing the social worker said an hour ago. Yeah, you know. But because I have the lived experience, like, hey, I've been in that situation. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, and you can, you're going to get to the other side too. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's amazing. And yeah, yeah. Kelsey, I think we're, we're doing amazing things here. Um, especially the opioid uh, overdose response program. We, or we call it, or uh, we see okay. everybody with substance abuse. It's not just opioids. So anybody, people come Absolutely. in. Absolutely. And it's, it's, I wish to God. I mean, I was starting to become, you know, those uh, frequent flyers in ERs. Yeah. <laughs> and if somebody, I mean, because I always thought I was dying and it was end up panic attacks. And I'm like, yes. well, if you were, you know, honest about your alcohol intake <laughs> at the ER, you know, but, um, <laughs> you know, but it, or for, and then sometimes uh, early in my opioid um, addiction, it was, you know, trying to get pills, but whatever. Um, either way, if somebody had furnished a recovery coach for me to talk to even once, I mean, you, you have that little window, mm-hmm. that little window with people where they're ready and they want to yeah. go, you know, I got a, a call from somebody, um, and because I'm not, I'm not going to really talk about the story, but just put it this way. A person had said to me, you know, this is, I needed help at this given time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got it. And now look at where I'm at. And when you hear stuff like that, it's like, and it's the same story anywhere. You know, if a person's ready to, for help, you have that window to, you know, yeah. jump in and there. It's, and like, it's a short years. window, too, before their brain sure takes do. back over. Yep. And that's why I think peer support and recovery coaching, that kind of like, kind of um, bonded that gap. You know, like yeah. we. And, and that's there. how, yeah, that's how recovery coaching is supposed to be utilized. Um, I kind of feel as a recovery coach, because I'm a certified recovery coach, not national like you, um, but, um, you know, for me, uh, recovery coaching was just about meeting people where, where they were at. Um, they don't all stay sore, but I'm going to plant a seed. I'm going to do something. Um, my big thing was um, whenever I talk to um uh, sponsees, clients, whoever it is, I let them know I'm a forever guy. So if something happens or you relapse or something, I'm still here. I'm, I'm not going to leave you. Um, because we get that a lot. Oh, you fucked up. Fine. Then you're excommunicated and that's how we're treated. And it's unfair. It's not right. Um, we all deserve a little bit more than that. Um, so even if we're going to plant the seed, you know, but I, I really truly want everyone to have a chance at recovery. Everyone deserves it. Everyone is a child of God. And my job is to help God's children. Exactly. You just nailed it. Oh. And that's exactly, I feel the exact same way. And it's, you know, it, it'll be that, uh, 
that um you call that I get at like three o'clock in the morning because my yeah. job is you know when my inner or excuse me my organization is not not open so after five o'clock yeah eight o'clock the next morning weekends it's a 24-hour shift yeah mm -hmm. so it's that call that i get at 3 30 in the morning it's snowing it's december yeah and probably seven degrees outside mm -hmm. it's that call that i go on that i'm thinking i need somebody needs to be there for this person yeah and that's why i do it because i'm telling you <laughs> the middle of the night calls you know those are the ones that yeah you pick up that phone yeah, yeah. and just being to know that, that you're there and i i did i like what you said also about um the people are children of god mm -hmm. and i think of that every call that i go on yeah i always pray and say universe source god come right through me yeah, my words. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. It's just it's an amazing it's amazing job. It helps my wellness. Yeah, it helps me to to know that I'm making a difference. That after all those years and all that pain and that heartbreak, that I can turn and transmute it. Yeah, and try and, to help somebody. And and I certainly am not going for you know I'm not certainly certainly not talking about the cure, but you do get to a point where you feel like in a way that you've made it. Right now, you don't stick there. To, oh, well, then I don't have to do any more work. No, that's not what that means. <laughs> that means that you accomplish that goal. And that's fantastic. Now, let's set another one. Let's keep moving forward. Um, when I get a gift from from the big HP, I double down. Because I know that I can't keep it unless I give it away. And I know that. And I take the responsibility statement very, very seriously. If if I'm in a group and you come in and you're from Overeaters Anonymous, sit down and talk. I don't care. Because for me, recovery is about the unity. And if everybody is a child of God, then everybody's in my circle. Exactly. Um, I feel the same. Uh, and, you know, I'd love for AA to be the only way, but it's not. There's different programs out there that work fantastic. Oh, smart, I totally smart recovery. Um, I just got trained to be a facilitator. I should you? be Good starting job. in a few weeks. Yes. Good job. Um, there are so many. There's a lot people. of different. But what's cool about that is depending on who you are, you could find your spot. Yeah. Now, I like AA because I like the structure. I'm a Virgo. Okay, we're starting now. We're doing this. <laughs> you know. Or some of these mean they're doing a lot of crosstalk. It's kind of fun, but for me, it's hard to, you know, keep up with everybody. And that's what I love about it is, you know, you can find your place in recovery and recovery coaches help you find that place. Exactly. And like you had said earlier, um, meeting people exactly where they're at. Yeah. And I always say to people, I'm like, I am not here to preach you, preach to you. I am not, I, I am not a guru of recovery. I really don't know what I'm doing half the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I said, I am just <laughs> a person that you can use for resources and support. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to help you regardless of, you know, where you're at. I mean, if you're continuing to use, that's, that's cool too. Mm -hmm. Do you need, you need help with housing? Yeah. Do you need, do you need food? Oh, there it is. Yep. You know, I'm a housing first person. Me so if too. I if I meet a person yes. and they have and they have an addiction, 
and no home, I'm putting a roof over their house first. I'm a, you know, go sit and detox for five days, get yourself together. I'll work on a sober living or something for you. There's plenty of money out there. People are willing to help. Um, I've been to treatment four times. I'm not putting you in a treatment center. I'm not wasting my time. I'm not wasting your time. Sober living and IOP will work just fine. Oh, yes. And you, know, you don't get a vacation. Are, you got to go back to work, dude. It's crazy because you could couple that with having a peer support. Yeah. You could you could truly do that. I mean, I don't even know how many times I was in treatment. Like, and I went long term. I went, I you know, know, three months. Um, and it you you are so right because the, the tools are actually in the community. If you have a strong community mm -hmm. that values recovery. Yeah. And it depends it, on where you're at too, though. I mean, yeah. there's some places that don't, they don't have, I, not every place is a Kalamazoo. Not exactly. Every, Kalamazoo exactly. Is even, we even have um, Kalamazoo harm reduction, which See, is amazing. For, if you, you brought know, up harm reduction in Colorado, people would have a fit. You, in Colorado? Really? They're wow. not as open-minded. We're not as open-minded as people think. We're not. I was there for like a, a what was it? I, I drove right through the state when I was 18, deciding to try to get to California. Um, and that's, <laughs> no, that's my only experience. I, I always say to people, though, it's one of the most beautiful states in the country. Colorado is beautiful. We're just, you know, like right now they're trying to, uh, they're working on a homeless ban. But with it, they're working on a homeless camp, which I appreciate. Um but I've had some talks with them and I, and I told them if this is going to be an out of sight, out of mind thing, I want nothing to do with it. Yeah. You need to, you need to go through each person individually, find out their needs and help them. Period. If you're not doing that, I'm going to fight you on it. Well, we, Kalamazoo struggle with the same thing. We have a whole bunch of encampments, lots of organizations involved, but they ended up doing like a sweep. People were, people were there. That's what they're, they're doing all now. Homes were taken within like 24 hours. And it's just such a complex. It is. Complex it, it is tough. And I was homeless myself twice. So I do under, yeah, I understand so. both sides. When you, when you're camped out next to a Quiznos, you're going to scare people, man. It's unhealthy. It, it is not good. Right. So I get both sides at the same time. If I have nowhere to go to the bathroom, I really don't have a choice. Yeah, exactly. Um, and when you're homeless, your day is um, your day is situated by other people's convenience or when they're available, like handing out food, things like that. Oh, so, very much. And it's all survival. It is. And you're that. in survival mode. That's why. And that's exactly why we're saying housing first. Exactly. Because when we, when you wake up in the morning and you're like, I have a place to go to tonight. You are going to be so much more productive. Oh, exactly. And then you can bring accountability into that. And accountability changes people, man. When I feel accountable to my peer coach, when I feel accountable because Kalamazoo helped me out and I gave them nothing in return, I feel responsible inside for that. And then my intentions change and I start to change without even knowing it. Exactly. That, that's why I love, that's why I love what we do. <laughs> oh yeah. 
and then with the housing thing too, it's like you want people to have that safe place yes. where they can start to heal. And if you're sending somebody to the mission or, you know, or a shelter every single night where they don't feel safe, if we're going to have a shelter, you know, I spent 11 months at a shelter mm -hmm. at one point. And um, it's very, very hard, especially when it you're is. not housed. You're already in that survival mode. And it's like, yeah. here, how are you going to bring this tool if you're afraid? If you were, if you were in a, a state of fear about your surroundings, how are you sleeping at night? Yeah. That's why a lot of the reason why you, you're reaching out for those substances yeah. is to cope yeah. in situations where you look like you're to other people that you're not even human. Yeah. And then the interaction. I, I agree. Work, I mean, it is, it's, it's awful. And well, so. And you brought up safe space. I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish that. I'm oh, sorry. no. <laughs> and it's like, we, we're, okay, you're supposed to start this road with recovery, but yet you're still living in a place where you, you you're fearful. Like no. for basic survival, we're not exactly. saying fear because you're you know, this this fear or that fear. We're talking about literally hierarchy uh, of needs. Yeah, somebody you know, may come so stab you, you and take your stuff. Yeah, so it's really I I am again I I completely feel you on like a soul level about the mm -hmm. housing that has to come and through. and. And when I talk housing, I mean, I'm going to give this person an apartment. They're going to, because if I do housing, when I think of home, when I think of home, I think safety. Yes. So that's why I tell a lot of people, welcome home, come home. Safe here. You can do things. So that safe space needs to be provided or no change is going to happen there. That's too much for one person. And that expectation is ridiculous. I think so too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I appreciate like our mayor here uh, in Aurora, um, he decided that he was going to be homeless for a few weeks and he went and spent his time on the streets. And I appreciate him making that attempt, but he always knew he had a home. He's he did so not feel the desperation. He did not feel the loneliness or the survival, right? I bet he ate just fine, right? Yep. He knew, he, he always knew that if something came up, he could go home. So I appreciate yeah. it. And all but of you just belongings. wasted two weeks of your time. Yeah. He has, like, he still has his clothes at home. More clothes. Wife. He has all of, like, pictures from child, like, all of that. Memories. When you become unhoused, all of that's gone. Yeah, you don't get to your carry. Your past is gone. Yeah. Your housing, or excuse me, your clothing is gone. Your, your everything. It's I've gone. been there. I've had yeah. three suitcases. Not even, or a backpack suitcase. Yeah, yeah, backpack and a duffel bag. I, I always had the uh, big army duffel bag. Those worked really, really well because you could carry them easy over here. And it held a lot of stuff. So, yeah. Well, this has been fantastic. This was all fun. Yeah. And I think what I would like to do is number one, offer you to to come back and talk about Matt. I would not love not it. the person Matt guys medicated Medicaid assisted <laughs> treatment is what we're talking about. We're not talking about your brother. Um, and you know, and you know, on a 
on a different level, I wouldn't mind seeing what you guys are doing out there and see if we can't replicate it, man. Yeah, um, obviously, there's some government funding that's available to be able to do these things. Yes. And uh, I, again, I'm going to do another uh, shout out to the Recovery Institute of Southwest Michigan. I am now on the board of directors there. <laughs> it is amazing. It's, a, it's also, I've got to say, did I already say that it's a peer run organization? You did um, not mention that part. Yes. And that's exactly All the staff what? is in recovery from either mental health or uh, a substance abuse disorder, except for our executive director. Shana. Yeah, you have to have some professionals he's, he's, on. Well, he's amazing. Like, talk <laughs> about an ally. Um, and so, yeah, I just, it, it's amazing. It's been a journey. Uh, and also, um, the, I am part of a group called Power Group. And what we okay. do is we, it's a group of us um, all in recovery from either mental health or substance abuse disorder. And okay. we go into the community and we do our recovery stories. Yeah. And then we, we take questions at the end. And we, we visit uh, high schools, uh, colleges, nursing students, classes, occupational therapists, uh, uh, classes like okay. absolutely anywhere that would take us so we can spread this message. And we try our whole point is kind of like to educate and break yeah. that stigma around Pre prevention is what you're doing. And prevention is the very first step in everything because you're educating, educating um, but we're some, also breaking, sometimes. And go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, and breaking the stigma. Yeah. You know, so that people can actually see, well, OK, well, I'm dealing with, you know, major depression um disorder or whatever you know like and i'm a normal person this is how i cope this is mm -hmm. what helps me um or a person with substance abuse disorder how did you you know we're taught we, talk, we also talk about our recovery like what, what helps us now yeah it's not so much as like we're gonna go out there and shock people and be like yeah oh, God, <laughs> you know no it's it's more just and it was interesting because we the feedback we get especially with the kids and sometimes they're in front of their peers. So, you know, sometimes we get no questions at all. Yeah. And there's, other, there's other students that will, will talk about their trauma. Yeah. Like, they will, they, I, okay, this is what's going on in my life right now. And they break down. And then that facilitates a conversation between the yep. teacher and the student so that they can get the resources that are applicable to their. Because, again, the recovery institute's 18 and over. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, if a child, or I shouldn't, well, teenager if a minor. Um, opens up with something, again, it, it starts that conversation. And it's Absolutely. so especially after COVID. Yeah. And, what and, the have, you, and you don't need to be a recovery coach to help that kid. You just need to be a good person. Yeah. That's okay. I would really like to find out how you guys are doing all this. I don't know that I'd be able to implement it myself. But um, if when I see something working, there's no point reinventing the wheel here. If I see something working, I'm going to copy it. Oh, you. we also have other contracts. Like we contract with the um, Kalamazoo drug courts. Okay. You know, so that we per, like provide the recovery coaching. Yeah. Um, it's amazing. We also partner with the Kalamazoo Public Library. We have peer navigation. Like we have a table there. That's okay. another thing that Kalamazoo does amazing. Their Kalamazoo, their Kalamazoo Public Library actually has, we, like I, I was talking about the encampments, we have yeah. a lot of unhoused people. Yeah. And so they visit 
the uh, the downtown branch of the Kalamazoo Public Library. And they, they have overdoses in the bathrooms there mm-hmm. somewhat frequently. All yeah. my my husband actually works there and he's trained ah. at Narcan. He's done a reversal. Um, but they have what's the recovery institute does it. They do the peer navigation. So the table is actually staffed with either a peer support or a recovery coach okay. for people to just visit when you go to yeah. the library, you know, like, or, and I think that's just absolutely amazing. Like it is great. And you know, and what's neat is you're just being available and it's in yeah. their time on their grounds in their space. That's fantastic. Yes. We can't expect people. We can't expect people that are homeless to meet us where we're at when we're living in white suburbia, guys. Yeah, you got to go down there. You've got to get your butt out of your chair, get in your car, and go down there, or you're nothing will. Okay? You'll be able to help all the regular people and stuff. These people don't have phones. They're never going to hear this podcast, you know. Um, so it's important that we get out there and we do that. Um, so kudos on you guys, Kalamazoo's where it's <laughs> yes! And there's more exciting stuff coming uh, for Recovery Month. I'm excited and, uh, for you guys. I really am. Yeah. And slightly jealous. So. No. Well, you know what? It's I got I got very fortunate to to you know move here because I was in Chicago mm-hmm. for a long time. Right at a time where there were so many resources available. Because 20 years ago, it didn't look this way. No, it at, didn't. you know, in, in Kalamazoo. So they really have, I, I, I was there. <laughs> I remember this. I grew up in this area. Um, and so it's just amazing to be part of it at all, you know, like to have any, my small part in something way bigger than me. Yeah. And it, Kalamazoo is amazing. And again, uh, stay tuned for recovery month. I've been working um, and hopefully the city is going to, um, recognize uh, recovery month i might i might have to come out to michigan for a recovery you're going month. to and the recovery institute is going to have their festival in september okay. so if you would like to see recovery in action here in kalamazoo Nitty action. Um, yeah <laughs> gotcha gotcha that was that was chicago <laughs> i i do voiceovers too so i hear every little nuance and change of voice and stuff yeah so this has been for a decade this has been this has been so fun. Um, Do you have any parting words for our guests? Um, Hmm. It's a hard one. It it is. Just take care of yourselves. Self-care. Your, I would say your homework is to do something good for yourself today. I can always take care of yourself. You know, um, self-care is extremely important. And um, and also you're loved. Mm-hmm. Whoever is listening, know that you're loved. Yeah, we love you both. Of yes. Us. Yep. And we'll and we will love you till you can learn how to love yourself. We will do. We that. sure will. No. Yes, we will. Well, thank you so much for for being on. And I think I'd like to reiterate, uh, being nice to yourself. What happens when you do that? Well, when you're nice to yourself, you tend to be nicer to other people. And I tend to have a much better day. So even if you're having a bad day and you're listening to this, you can change that anytime you want. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening. This has been a Trudging Together podcast. I love you guys.
Peace out. And have a day.